Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. It is the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It's the show where we don't take calls, we don't tolerate sponsors, but we do help focus you on the events of the week through the lens of original thought and update on the big election in China for our new leader. Chairman Xi has received a unanimous vote, 2,952 to zero, to be our premier for another five-year term, or, or maybe it's a 10-year term. I didn't take notes on that because, you know, we all know that because of his popularity and his efficacy as a leader, that he would be elected our fearless leader. So the, the details aren't really that important because whether it's a five-year or a 10-year term, Chairman G is uh, firmly ensconced atop the deep state. And, of course, we are all thankful that he is. Thank you, sir. May I have another as we... Prepare to go Monday. Perhaps you're preparing to go to the bank to take out any cash you have over $250,000. I'm just saying maybe. Would it be prudent or would it be considered a panic? Well, I don't know. But the, the Silicon Valley Bank, which, by the way, Silicon Valley's not a real name. That's not the real name of the valley. It's, the, it's actually the Santa Clara Valley, but... The Silicon Valley Bank made up its name because it's a made-up bank. And it does, does mostly made-up things with mostly made-up money and then an awful lot of real money. <laughs> it, it's one of the big leaders in the ESG, Environment, Sustainability, and governments, uh, Governance, I think. Is that what ESG stands for? Anyway, it's a big ESG bank. It invested in a lot of very green, very progressive, very fairy dust things. And they went broke, and now it's possible other banks will be affected because, well, it's the 16th largest bank in the country and the second largest bank failure since 2008. So if you have any money in the bank, over 250000 you might just want to move it to another bank just so that, just so, you know, Anyway, so from there, we go to uh, big news from the energy sector. Joe Biden and his brother Biff or Skip or whatever his name was. Was it Jeff Biden? I can't remember. Uh, uh, Joe Biden and his brother have, have approved ConocoPhillips' Willow Project, the big oil drilling project in Alaska. Environmentalists are expressing concern. But Joe Biden is going to go ahead and go forward with the massive ConocoPhillips Willow oil drilling program. Uh, Vice President Al Gore has criticized the project, meaning Al Gore didn't get paid and Joe Biden and his brother uh, did get paid. And so the it's possible we could be coming out of the energy crisis as energy companies figure out who to bribe in the Biden administration to make things happen. Because we all know that Joe Biden is no green environmentalist. I mean, he's interested in green. 
Don't get me wrong. And if you can figure out where to put the green with Joe, and and uh, things will start happening again, and things could loosen up in the energy sector because Joe's not a big believer. Meanwhile, speaking of Joe Biden, let's talk about Bill Clinton. Not Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Not Hillary Clinton, but Dana J. Hyde. 55-year-old lawyer. A Washington, D.C. lawyer. Well, she's dead. She was allegedly killed by severe turbulence on a plane. And I, I only say allegedly because it's very unusual. In fact, we have a quote from Robert Sumwalt, former chair of the National Transportation Safety Board, who says, quote, I can't remember the last fatality due to turbulence, unquote. So, and he's been doing it for about 30 years. And he's the current aviation safety chair over at Embry, Riddle Aeronautical University. And he can't remember the last time anyone was killed by severe turbulence. But now a high profile former Clinton attorney and cog in the machine working for the Clinton and Biden administration. I'm sorry, not Biden. Did I say Biden? I meant Obama, which means Biden. The Obama administration. <laughs> Dana worked for both Hillary Clinton and uh, uh, Bill and both Barry and Michelle Obama as a cog in the wheel of the machine that's grinding down America. Dana Hyde, 55, was a sold out leftist lawyer bought and paid for by the forces of darkness. She made a career of administering criminal policies on behalf of the criminally insane sex perverts who ruled in Washington for her entire adult life, her entire 30-year career, and eventually seized power in 2020. Dana Hyde was at the heart of all of it, and she was killed on a private jet just this past week. The headline says, Former Clinton lawyer killed by severe turbulence on plane. But in the body of the article, the reporter notes that it's still not clear how... Hyde died. All we know is Hillary Clinton was not on board, so she's in the clear for the moment. NTSB investigators have removed the plane's cockpit voice recorder. And, you know, because of the state of affairs in government and the just system, especially the federal just system, it is legitimate to assume that there's as good a chance of a cover-up as an investigation into this poor woman's untimely death. It's, it's, it's just a state. It's a fact. It's just a statement of fact. It's sad that it is that way, but it is that way. And so the uncanny string of deaths under odd circumstances continues... For the circle of people that Bill and Hillary called their friends. It's odd. It's uncanny is what it is. And never even heard of anyone getting killed by turbulence. And the one it just happens to be. It's Isn't it weird? It's just a little odd. That's all. And from there we go into the insurrection file. Where the aforementioned criminal gang. Criminally insane gang of sex perverts who seized power have instituted Soviet-style 
communist-style welfare since the uh, COVID hysteria and panic. And now, according to Zero Hedge, 18 U.S. states have officially ended pandemic-era states of emergency, including the COVID food benefit, which I was not aware of the COVID food benefit. But the COVID food benefit is coming to an end. A December mandate from Congress will end in March for the other 32 states, meaning free food that the government's been giving away for over two years is going to come to an end. Also, pre-pandemic unemployment benefits and child tax credits are going to go back into effect. So the socialism that was in effect before COVID is going to come back, uh, displacing the Soviet communism of the COVID uh, era. They're also going to roll back Medicaid, whatever that was. I don't know. I haven't participated in any of it, so I'm not aware. But apparently a lot of other people are. Uh, now we have people, I believe this was in Kentucky. Was it in Kentucky? Yeah, in Kentucky, there was a nine-hour, mile-long line where people lined up waiting for free food, looking around, wondering what's happening. And a 63-year-old man was interviewed standing in the nine-hour, mile-long line waiting for free food, and he was asked, well, I don't know what he was asked. Like, I would ask him, like, why are you here? You're 63 years old. You're healthy. Why don't you just go work? For nine hours, you could work a full day and get enough money for food. But instead, let's just ask you, how do you feel? Anyway, he says the government is trying to kill us now, says the man standing in line waiting for free cheese. Uh, Danny lives in a mobile home with his wife and he survives on his Social Security disability check. (laughs) You're welcome, sir. Anyway, he says the government now is trying to kill us. They're going to starve us out. (laughs) And the uh, and the uh, reporter for Zero Hedge says, yeah, he says they're going to starve us out. Apparently unaware that government assistance provided during the pandemic wasn't permanent. He wasn't aware that the Soviet-style communism wasn't going to go on forever. This poor guy, who's obviously been lulled into a state of utter dependency by Social Security disability. Someone told him he was disabled. If you can stand in line, you're not disabled. At least not disabled enough that you shouldn't be able to feed yourself and your wife. So anyway, the people who did this to this guy should go on trial. I'm making fun of this guy a little bit, okay? Because it's pretty pathetic and he's a man, so... A lot of times with a man, if you mock him, that will motivate him to stop being a loser. Sometimes. But the people in the government who did this to this guy should go on trial for what they've done. Crimes against humanity. So what do I have here? I've got, uh, I've got a quote here from the Nonpartisan Center on Budget and Policy Priorities from their senior fellow, Dottie. Dottie says, um, in regards to all the free money that helped reduce, oh, she, in regards to all the money that her organization claims 
helped reduce childhood poverty in 2021. She says we can expect that reduction to reverse now. Uh huh. She should be arrested for advocating criminal activity. You shouldn't be allowed to advocate for the government to steal money from productive people and then destroy the lives of slackers by allowing them to slack even harder because it's bad. It's criminal. That's all. So Dottie should be arrested and the nonpartisan center on budget and policy priorities should be bulldozed because thank you very much. We just don't need any more of that. Um, now, speaking of, uh, well, I can't, I don't have time for that because I'm, we're going to get to a COVID story. That's just one of the most shocking, horrible, awful things I've ever read in relation to the, the collapse of medicine into dark ages level hysteria and superstition that is actually killing people right now. We'll get to that. But first let's go to, let's go to universal pre-K. Barack Obama's new $6.9 trillion budget proposed last week uh, via Joe Biden, sock puppet, um, will allow all, all American preschoolers, listen to this, all American preschoolers will be able to spend their formative years in a taxpayer-funded day, daycare program called Universal Pre-K. That's right, it's universal free preschool for all. Yay! And everyone standing in line for the cheese cheered. They all opened the doors of their trailers and came outside and said, Yay! Free pre-K! Oh, it's always been free. Oh, it's, of course it's free. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, children as young as three from all 50 states. Because the program uh, is going to be expanded by President Obama via Joe Biden. Uh, and it'll be administered by the Department of Education in conjunction with, because what it, one department really can't contain such a wonder, the wonderfulness of such a program. So the Department of Education will run it, they will administer it, I'm sorry, in conjunction with the Department of Health and Human Services. Human Services being the Soviet-style replacement of what we used to call family love. Uh, let's see. And now I want to I've got a quote here from George ba George Barna. He's uh, over at Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center. He says between 15 and 18 months of age is when most children start forming their worldview. That's right. They start between 15 and 18 months old. And by the age of 13, the worldview of a human being is pretty much completely in place. And that's according to. Research and data and actual, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much true. At least that was true for me. And Barna says a child needs a worldview, and if we don't help them develop it, somebody else will. Uh-huh, yeah. And that somebody else is Barack Obama with his, uh, with his hand in the back of Joe Biden dangling out the free cheese and offering kindergarten for kids as young as three because he wants to give your child his worldview.
It's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Uh, welcome back into uh, my nightmare. For seriously, this next story is a nightmare. It's from the Epic Times. Um, I've, uh, I, I got the story from one of my aggregators websites that I go to. And then later on, I wanted to check some more on it. And I couldn't find it. I had to go back to the aggregator and find the link because when I Googled this story, I could not find it. Now, listen, it's a, a toy designer named Mark Boudreaux. He designed the Millennium Falcon for Star Wars. Pretty cool, right? So he's a, he's a relatively famous toy designer. He's been with the toy company for 40 years, designing toys. And he's now fighting a battle for his life, caught in the ultimate catch-22 of medical protocols that began with his trip on February 5th, 2022, about a year ago. He went to the ER where he unfortunately tested positive for COVID. And folks, that's a bad place to be in a hospital in America and testing positive for COVID. That's not a good position to find yourself in. Even, even two years hence. Because now for more than a year since that ER visit, he remains on the same ventilator he was placed on last February. The guy's been on a ventilator in a hospital for over a year. Worse yet, the very ventilator intended to save his life has caused such destruction in his lungs that his doctors say he's now in critical need of a lung transplant. But it gets worse. Mark Boudreaux isn't eligible for a lung transplant because the medical care, the alleged medical care that destroyed his lungs has left him unable to meet the standard criteria for being considered eligible for a lung transplant. So there are certain criteria that transplant doctors have learned that if you don't meet these criteria, it's, it's highly likely that the lung transplant won't work. And this guy can't do it because he's been destroyed by Dark Ages level, hysterical, superstitious, uh, black shamanism. It's awful. Um, and so the Epic Times, who reported this, they wanted to reach out and find out how did this happen to this man? And the American Association of Respiratory Care had originally agreed to talk with reporters from the Epic Times, but then they found out uh, that the Epic Times is a legitimate news agency and they reneged on that. Several major transplant centers have uh, also declined to comment. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control did not respond to inquiries. Uh-huh. The, the CDC, by the way, is responsible for the Dark Ages hysterical, ridiculous, dangerous, stupid, backwards protocols that hospitals automatically put COVID patients on when they just stuck them on mechanical ventilators instead of using time-honored and known therapies to restore respiratory capacity. Instead, they just stuck them on ventilators. Just... All right. Um, 
A medical malpractice lawsuit is possible, says Epic Times. But the exemption the courts granted hospitals from any liability from harm under the guise of the emergency may mean that no one is ever held responsible for probably killing Mark Boudreau and probably at least a million other people. Probably at least a million other people were killed because of the hysterical stupidity that I'm telling you, when you read what happened to this guy, it's almost as if it was designed to kill sicker, older people. It's almost as if that. I'm not that, I'm not that jaded yet to believe that that could be the case in a, in a medical industry driven by insurance, money, losses, and gains, and, and certainly not by love, that's for sure. There's no love involved. By the way, try Googling. I tried this. Maybe it's changed. Google toy designer Mark Boudreaux COVID ventilator. What you'll get is nothing. It's as if the story doesn't exist. It's really weird. I'll try it after, we, uh, after the show and see if things have changed. But as, of, as we went to air, this story had been blacked out, disappeared from the world. Anyway, just a tragedy. And so we go from Mark Boudreau, a victim of just the, the panic and the hysteria and the greatest episode of cowardice in the face of a potential crisis, pop, maybe in the history of mankind. That, that's what Mark Boudreau is the victim of. Uh, we go from there to William Shatner, who we are all a victim of. William Shatner, um, let's see, he, sp he spoke about his mortality in an interview as he prepares to release his documentary, You Can Call Me Bill. So, William Shatner always promoting, right? This guy is shackled like a mule to the Hollywood machine that basically has found William Shatner in the lap of luxury for the better part of 70 years. For, for what reason, I'm, I'm just not sure, but uh, the, the guy should be extraordinarily thankful and express his thankfulness to God because there's no other reason William Shatner should be who he is except that God is so merciful and kind. And the, the talents and the skills that God blessed William Shatner with, William Shatner should get on his knees every morning and every night and thank God for them. But instead, he's flogging his new documentary because he's just a Hollywood puppet. And listen to this. The uh, Fox News report <laughs> says, uh, <laughs> William Shatner revealed, quote, I don't have long to live. <laughs> he revealed it as if it was a revelation. I mean, he's 91. At 91, you don't reveal that you don't have long to live. It's just fairly obvious to everyone that you don't have long to live because you're 91. But Fox News reports it as if it's a scoop. We've got a scoop here. William Shatner may not have long to live. <clears throat> anyway. Oh, that's right. He's over at, he's over at CNN now. Anyway, uh, Shatner goes on to uh, pose and say, this documentary is a way of reaching out after I die. No, it's not. It's a way of paying the bills right now. Because that's what you've been doing your, your whole acting career, Mr. Shatner. Anyway, don't think I've got anything personal against uh, Bill. I'll just call him Bill since... 
Anyway, here's what Bill said. He's so deep. He says, the sad thing is that the older a person gets, the wiser they become, and then they die with all that knowledge. Unquote. So, I mean, is that the best you got, Bill, after 90 years on the planet? I mean, I'm just, that's just not that impressive of a philosophical statement. And in fact, it doesn't really mean much of anything. Um, anyway, uh, Bill goes on. People ask about the legacy. He says there's no legacy. Statues are torn down, graveyards are ransacked, headstones are knocked over, no one remembers anyone. Who remembers Danny Kay or Cary Grant? They were great stars, but they're gone and no one cares. But what does live on, according to Bill Shatner, Captain Kirk, what does live on are good deeds. If you do a good deed, it reverberates to the end of time. Unquote. That's William Shatner's uh, timeless... Uh, philosophical genius for the ages. He goes on, when he was asked about seeing the Earth from space, when he was shot up into space on the Blue Origin spaceship, he was asked about it, and he said, quote, they asked him, what was it like looking at the Earth from space? Bill Shatner says, quote, it's going extinct. Billions of years of evolution may vanish. It's sacred, it's holy, it's life, and it's gone. It's beyond tragic. We stupid animals are destroying this gorgeous thing called the earth. Doesn't that make you angry? Don't you want to do something about it? Says Bill Shatner as he's about to die and meet, meet his maker. He acts as if he could see something wrong with the earth from space. Like, <laughs> like he could diagnose a, a, a lesion or something on it. I could see it. It's It's tragic. And by the way, he used the F word in there. He called us, we stupid effing animals. The guy's about to meet God. He goes on a vulgar rant. A vulgar leftist rant. How can one be so close to death and not consider the possibility that the God that's been convicting them of all the lousy things they ever did in their conscience for their whole life, how could they not at least stop and consider the fact that that God might be real? seeing as he's been talking to him his whole life. But maybe Bill doesn't hear him anymore. Maybe Bill doesn't even hear his own comment. Anyway, William Shatner, breaking news, doesn't have long to live. And still, uh, it's still on his way straight to hell with jet rockets, which is sad. All right. Um, Now, another sad story. This is, uh, I don't mean mean to be a a downer, but... uh, well, the news is what it is. We go to the last lost war file where the Gateway Pundit reports on a Marine Corps sniper who was present during the surrender to the Taliban back in, was it August of 21? August of uh, 2021, I believe. Yes, August 26, 2021. The day America surrendered to the Taliban and the day the the ISIS suicide bomber, 13 U.S. soldiers, and 169 Afghans. Um, That suicide bomber, by the way, has been released from the Taliban, um, released from Bagram prison um, as of July of this year. Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews, 
U.S. Marine sniper, served in Afghanistan during the surrender. He testified before Congress last week. Vargas told Congress that he was denied permission to shoot the suicide bomber before he blew up the 13 soldiers and the 169 Afghanis. Uh, there was an IED probe going on. They saw the Taliban performing an IED test run. Days later, Sergeant Vargas says they received the word to be on the lookout. Then on August 26th, intelligence confirmed the suicide bomber was in the vicinity. They described him as clean-shaven, dressed in brown with a black vest, and traveling with an older companion. So the Marine asked his superiors, why hasn't he been apprehended if we have identified him as a suicide bomber? And he was told that intelligence decided that the intelligent asset that identified him could not be compromised. So throughout the day on August 26th, they disseminated the detailed description of the suicide bomber. And he was spotted around noon by Sergeant Vargas and another sergeant, Charles Schilling, and another man, three. The individual was nervously looking up at our position through the crowd. He matched the description. He was clean-shaven, which stood out in the crowd. He fit the description exactly. He was traveling with an older gentleman. They both had obvious mannerisms that go along with who we believe them to be. So we asked if we could shoot. Our battalion commander said, and I quote, I don't know. Unquote. Sergeant Vargas received no update. He never got an answer. And eventually, as he was standing in a two-foot canal trying to rescue a family of Afghans that had been helping the Americans, Sergeant Vargas saw a flash and felt a massive wave of pressure. He was thrown to the ground. And he says, instantly, I knew what had happened. I opened my eyes to Marines dead or unconscious laying around me. Folks, unless there is a reckoning for this, the sins of the men who sinned against Sergeant Vargas, those sins will be visited upon Americans in America. I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Thank you, boys. Put those guitars away. We have to get back to the news. Back to the last Lost War file where 
Afghans who put their lives on the line by aiding America during the 20-year, what Front Page Mag calls a misadventure. Can't really argue with that. Anyway, these Afghan citizens, they helped us. Um, And they're still there. We surrendered and ran away, and they're still there. They risked everything to help America, and now the worst-case scenario possible has come to pass for them. The Taliban are tracking them down. They're being hunted down every day. A new report from the Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction says the Taliban is now using fingerprint and gun records to hunt down Afghans who work with the U.S. government. They search their homes. If they cannot find the individual, they'll go after their family members until the person they're looking for surrenders. Classic Soviet Marxist uh, Islamic fundamentalist terrorist tactics. Uh, the report was based on a number of interviews. One of the former officers who revealed all this says that if the Taliban jihadis find him, he will be executed. The sins of the fathers will be visited upon the children in the next lost war. If there's not a reckoning for this, this will be coming to America. If there is no reckoning for the criminal cowardice of the political leadership who surrendered to the Taliban and abandoned our fellow workers there. From there we go from the uh, from Afghanistan to Ukraine, the queering of America file. That's right. The queering of America. From Politico, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has galvanized Ukrainian society in many unexpected ways. And it's advancing the rights of LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, not the people. The LGBTQ people. They're not advancing the rights of the people, but the LGBTQ people. Uh-huh. And the NATO-installed regime of Vladimir Zelensky is advancing the rights of LGBTQ people. It's because the Ukrainian people, they're generally not uh, for the queers. They're not for the queering of Ukraine and the molestation of their sons. That's not, no. But uh, the NATO-installed regime of Vladimir Zelensky absolutely prepared to toe the line and bend the knee to the sodomite freak religion that's being imposed around the world by NATO. Last Tuesday, in a move that would have been nearly unthinkable a year ago, a Ukrainian lawmaker introduced legislation that would give partnership rights to same-sex couples, along with a prohibition against anti-LGBTQ hate speech. Yeah, yeah, that uh, anti-hate speech legislation was adopted back in December and was 
affirmatively carried in the legislature as a rejection of Russia's effort to weaponize homophobia. Weaponize homophobia. Okay. That is a new one on me. I mean, if the Russians were looking for a way to finish off the Ukrainians, I, by homophobia, let's, this is it, Vladimir. Let us weaponize homophobia. This will win the war. This will break the backs of the Ukrainian resistance. We will roll in with the homophobia. Anyway, um, Putin has said, by the way, that he attacked Ukraine last year to protect traditional values against the West's false values that are, quote, contrary to human nature, which political calls that code for LGBTQ people, which they're right about that. Against nature, that's code for queers, because that's why we call them queers. <laughs> right? That's where it came from. Yeah, anyway. Um... A Politico goes on to happily and joyfully report that Ukraine's military has more out queer soldiers than ever before. The uh, uh, and they and Ukraine has at least one news media outlet that is sympathetically covering queer people's contributions to the war effort. It's as if they're Americanized. It's as if they're. It's almost as if NATO has installed a regime, a pile of criminally insane sex perverts taken right out of the ranks of NATO and has been installed in Ukraine. It's almost as if that, because that, that would be crazy to think that's what's happened. Anyway, Politico, go, Politico goes on. Queer soldiers have come out amidst the fighting. <laughs> Which is, this is just... So this is just ridiculous, stupid propaganda. It's, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's just propaganda designed to make homos, all the homos with the Ukrainian flag buttons or the, the little the, next to their little butterflies on their, on, their how, on their door at their house. They've got their Ukrainian flag. They've got their butterfly. They've got their, uh, their whatever pagan symbol they have, their peace sign. This is just propaganda designed to make them feel good. There aren't Ukrainian soldiers coming out amidst the fighting, okay? I doubt there are too many Ukrainian soldiers who are looking forward to announcing their homosexuality in public. During a gunfight. That's just ridiculous. Forget you, Vladimir. I'm coming out as gay. Right in front of all of your soldiers. Just to show you how strong I am. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, but the, uh, the, the fag legislation there you know, over in the Ukraine, that's real. I mean... NATO does want to sodomize Eastern Europe, and Vladimir Putin is correct about that. And it's a shame when corrupt, wicked, evil, deviant, perverted political leaders in the West give criminal dictators like Vladimir Putin a legitimate beef against us. What with the sodomy and all? Okay, because Russia and Vladimir Putin wanting to dominate Eastern Europe is something that everyone understands. 
Okay, the desire of NATO to sodomize our sons and daughters in front of us that we cannot comprehend. Uh, and, and, and just because we're against you sodomizing the children, that does not mean that we love Vladimir Putin. We understand Vladimir Putin. It's you people that are freaking us out. With the, uh, with the surgeries and the hormones and the trans and all of that. That's making all of us a little bit uncomfortable, okay? Quite uncomfortable, as a matter of fact. And it's leading to this, this hypersexualization of everything, by the way, is leading to a, a civilization saturated in pornography. And that is cracking people up and breaking their minds. And it's making people violent. We go to Germany, where at last report, at least seven people, seven people killed, seven wounded in a mass shooting at a Jehovah's Witness church in Hamburg, Germany. And, and so this is apparently some sort of former member who had a beef against the, the people in the church. And so in the past... At the very worst, he might have slashed their tires, maybe, while they were in church. That might have been the worst it would get. But now, walks in with a gun and just slaughters people. And authorities, according to uh, One America News Network, authorities believe the mass shooting is an isolated incident. At which point I ask, really? Why would they think that? Because these mass shootings seem to be happening on a daily or weekly basis all over the world. So perhaps there is some relationship, and maybe we should look into that relationship. Because if we looked, we might figure out that people's minds are being destroyed and they're viewing one another as less than human because of all the pornography that people are consuming all the time. The sexual immorality and the pornography cause people to look at each other as less than human, making it much more likely that when people get mad at each other, they'll just kill each other. But don't look too closely at any of that. Don't look too closely at any of that. Instead, let's do a preview for the Oscars. That's right. Our big predictions here at the Weekly Worldview. For best picture, who are you picking? He asked, is extremely attractive audio engineer at which point she sneered and then rolled her eyes and then we moved on we go now into the death penalty file where the chief of police in the district of columbia the capital uh, last monday he described the problem with repeat criminal offenders uh-huh he's noticed there's a problem with that and he stresses what he calls the need for long sentences for those guilty of homicide. He says he wants long sentences, does the chief of police. Uh-huh. Well, here at the Weekly Worldview, we've been calling for a permanent sentence against anyone convicted of homicide. A permanent sentence, not a long sentence, permanent sentence. The death penalty. Well, now the, ch the chief there in D.C. notices there's a problem. Uh, the chief, what is this... Uh, Let's see, what is this chief's name? It's hard to say because he's just some, he's some vacuous quota hire. Uh, D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti. Uh-huh. He's saying that the average suspect, he's revealing, this is a revelation now. The average homicide suspect in Washington, D.C. has been arrested 11 times prior to committing murder. 
And Conti says in revelatory fashion, that is a problem. Wow, this guy. Now we can tell why he was selected to be the chief of police. It's pretty smart, right? He realizes that's a problem. And uh, by the way, uh, chief, the first step in recovery is admitting you have a problem. So that's good. Uh, Conti goes on to say, what we got to do is keep bad guys with guns in jail. When they are in jail, they can't be in the community shooting people. Wow, this guy's a genius. He understands the laws of physics, that while a man is in jail, he can't be in the community shooting people. I'm sorry, did I say this guy was a quota hire? I'm sorry, I didn't realize. He's obviously a criminal justice genius. Oh, and then he goes on, there's more. He added, so, when people talk about what we going to do different, or what we should do different, what we need to do different, that's the thing that we need to do different. Which is like a Kamala Harris speech I'm reading. What is this guy? Oh, wait. He says, the thing we need to do different, we need to keep violent people in jail. Okay. All right. Um, so obviously, a, a mental midget, a quota hire of the worst order. But even he notices that there's a problem. So, okay, there were two over 200 homicides in 2022 in Washington, D.C. And there have already been, and that rate's already up over 30% in 2023. And we're just a couple months in. And the bloodbath continues. And what does this genius think we should do? Well, we need to keep people in jail because when they're there, they can't shoot other people. At least, you know, not outside the jail. Geniuses. Um, the, the swift and painful implementation of the death penalty against anyone arrested and convicted for a capital crime uh, is your solution. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but I can tell for Mr. Conti, you have to be pretty darn specific. He's not good at, he's not very intuitive and doesn't think out of the box. So he needs our help. I am your host, Doug McBurney. Thank you for sticking with us, folks. We go from uh, the good chief there out in Washington, D.C. into the mask hysteria file. That's right. You thought the mask hysteria file had perhaps been retired. But no, because in New York City, the police department there is advising businesses to ask patrons to take off their masks. Whoa, what? Yes, that's right. The chief of police there, the, I'm sorry, they call him the NYPD chief of department, which is maybe different than the chief of police, because you just can't have too many bureaucrats. They, they propagate like, uh, like cloned uh, cellular material in a matrix. Anyway, the, the chief of department, Jeffrey has noted that criminals have been taking advantage of the masks. No way! Yes! 
Here's what he says, because people were then like, what? No way. Tell us. Can you give us the details? We can't figure that out. He says, people are coming into our business, sometimes with masks, sometimes even with masks and hoodies and latex gloves. And they're being allowed to enter the store. And then we have a robbery or some kind of property being stolen. <laughs> so do you hear how he says it? Even So he's pointing out the problem, but he can't even clearly state the problem. He says people come in with masks, sometimes with masks and hoodies, sometimes even with gloves, and then we have a robbery or some kind of property being stolen. Instead of saying these people are coming in and robbing the store, which he could say that because that seems to be what's going on, but he can't say that because he's a bureaucrat and he's been trained in the justice system to never assign responsibility to anyone for anything, even after they've been convicted. You just can't do that because that makes people uncomfortable. And the last thing we want to do is make people uncomfortable. But we do want to suggest maybe business owners, we're not going to do it because we don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but you business owners who we made very uncomfortable by enforcing you to enforce the masks, now we're going to ask you business the, you, you business uh, owners to now enforce the no masks. That, that way you have to do it and we don't have to do it because we're a bunch of bureaucratic cowards. You saw us turn tail in the face of a potential uh, uh, epidemic. We, we went hysterical. And then with the Black Lives Matter, we basically went supine and, and retreated into our police stations because we're a bunch of cowards. And you can't count on us anymore. So it's every man for himself. So it'll be the bagel shop owner fighting with the kid in the hoodie and the mask. Get out of my store. Because he can't call the cops because the cops are, are uh, panty wastes. We'll just put it that way. Um, now, the Epic Times here where I'm getting the story reminds us prior to COVID-19, most businesses would not let customers enter with a mask. That's something I've pointed out, by the way, that we all seem to have forgotten. That it used to be, no, you couldn't come into a store with a mask on because we assumed you were going to rob the place. <laughs> yeah, at the airport with a mask. This is genius. Just a bunch of geniuses. Um, finally, the Epic Times reports that New York City Mayor Eric has admitted that a shoplifting epidemic is forcing stores to close. They're, the businesses are being driven out of the city because criminals are allowed to wear their masks and come in. And, and by the way, and then we go back. Now, I spoke earlier about the George Floyd riots. I just spoke about them. The big flinch, I called it. When we saw the justice system laid bare naked for what they are, a bunch of pervert criminals. The justice system is run by a bunch of pervert criminal cowards. And the George Floyd riots proved it and put it right in front of all of our faces. We could see what they are. We know that we cannot count on the authorities any longer. And that's a scary place to be, folks. Down here in the inter insurrection file last Sunday night, Antifa attacked Atlanta police under the guise of protesting a new police training facility. Antifa... Uh, they claim they're getting revenge on the police for shutting down their autonomous zone. That's right. The police let these punks run wild for months 
and then they finally tore down their their disease and drug infested zone and arrested 19 of these punks. And so now that the weather's starting to warm back up, Antifa's back. They use the color of a they they use the cover of a peaceful protest to attack officers with bricks, Molotov cocktails, fireworks. During the protest, Antifa changed into black clothing and uh, initially forced officers to retreat as they destroyed construction equipment around. The, forced the police to retreat. Unbelievable. Oh, but they were all wearing masks. So nobody was at least uh, intentionally transmitting any viruses. And meanwhile, uh, that was uh, last Sunday, uh, there was a detransition awareness rally in San Francisco. And now let's just stop right there. A detransition awareness day. I mean, if, you, if that's where you are in civilization, I mean, it's time for a reset of some sort. I can tell you that. I don't, I don't, I'm not a believer in the Great Reset. But if we're, having to, if we're having to point out that we need a day to observe detransitioning trannies, we're, we're in trouble. We got some problems, okay? It's sad that that's a thing, but there is that thing. Well, they tried to have a detrans rally in Sacramento last Friday, but 100 Antifa showed up wearing black clothing and masks and marching with pride flags, signs, and shields. Uh-huh. Uh, police were stationed some distance away from the group. Why? Because they're cowards. They're fat, bureaucratic pig cowards is what they are. And I'm talking about the, uh, the leadership of the police. Not the rank-and-file policeman. He wants to do his best. I think. But some of them, at least. But the leadership are a bunch of fat cowards. So they station the police some distance away. So Antifa ravages and beats up people in the crowd. One guy got his head split open. There's blood everywhere. The Detransition Awareness Day was organized by... Uh, yeah, who cares? I mean, please. Uh, um, from there, we go into the Drek lies and videotape file where police officer Brian Sicknick... Uh, appeared on videotape in front of God and everybody hours after he had apparently been murdered. That's right. Remember, Trump supporters had beaten him to death with a fire extinguisher, and he was taken unconscious from the Capitol where he later died in a hospital. That's what we were all told. Except the video shows him walking around and looking pretty sprightly. Um, anyway, um... So what more can you say about that? It's just, it, will anyone be held responsible for that? Such an obvious, blatant misrepresentation of the facts that's now proven. I mean, not that we didn't already know. And then the QAnon shaman, this poor guy. He looked like the slow kid at school being led around by the police. I mean, he literally. The guy's probably not the sharpest pencil in the box. The cops let him around, probably figured, you know, we'll let him in, we'll let him do his protest, we'll let him out. That's what the cops were thinking. They didn't know this guy's going to get thrown in prison for four years. Anyway, how his lawyer hasn't filed whatever it takes to get that guy out of jail is beyond me. And whoever his lawyer was that got him in prison, the guy should be disbarred and, and maybe cast into the ocean. Shocking. All right. Uh, meanwhile... 
from the Ray of Hope's file. The Ray of Hope. There is a Ray of Hope. Voters in Oklahoma rejected legalized recreational marijuana last week. They had Oklahoma. Oklahoma. They had a vote. And they and they said no. 63 percent of voters voted against legalizing dope for recreational purposes. Uh, The governor there issued a statement saying blah, 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 whatever. He's a moron. Um, I will quote. He said, Oklahoma is a law and order state. My administration will continue to crack down on illegal marijuana operations in our state. What? Illegal operations. I thought they voted to not make it legal. Oh, oh, I see. The reason he's going to crack down on illegal marijuana is because there is legal marijuana in Oklahoma. They call it medical marijuana. Sorry. Yes, yes. There are only... Seven states, by the way, that remain uh, unstoned, I guess, by medical marijuana. Oh, there is. There, I know. I was shocked. There's still seven states. <laughs> yeah. Um, all 50 states have legalized some form of THC consumption via K- uh, CBD oils, which, of course, thankfully, because CBD cures almost everything. You know, and, and for the stuff that CBD doesn't cure then you can smoke your medical marijuana to cure that. If if there is anything, it doesn't cure. And I'm not sure there is anything it doesn't cure. Um, uh, uh, so let's... So that was a ray of hope, at least some hope. And now, from the death penalty file, Dateline, Huntsville, Texas. Texas has executed an inmate convicted uh, of murder. No, that's not how they say it. The the urinalists at KXXV-TV. Texas has executed an inmate convicted of the drug-related killings of four people. Anyway. You could have just said a convicted murderer, right? Who killed four people. Anyway, he killed four people, including a pregnant woman. Arthur Brown. Arthur Brown. Murderer. Mad dog killer. Killed a pregnant woman. He insisted he was innocent. Um, uh, When did he butcher these people? June of 1992, a lifetime ago, inside a house in Houston as he was robbing them. He killed 32-year-old Jose Tovar, his wife's 17-year-old son, Frank Farias, 19-year-old neighbor Audrey Brown, was the pregnant girlfriend of another one of... Rachel Tovar's sons. All four had been tied up and shot in the head. Now, Brown insists there were other people there and they were all involved and that he didn't actually pull the trigger. And so, yeah, okay, shut up. Uh, one of the others has already been executed. Another uh, uh, serving time. Anyway. Listen to what Brown said. He was defiant in his final statement. He said, what is happening here? Tonight isn't justice, says the killer. He says it's the murder of another innocent man. He insisted the state had hidden the evidence of his innocence for so long and they had hidden it so good that my own attorneys couldn't find it. He said in a loud voice while not making eye contact with the half dozen relatives of his victims who were there. As the soft, gentle, lethal dose of the sedative penobarbital took effect... The mad dog killer took two deep breaths and then began snoring. After six snores, all movement stopped. 
and he was gently, kindly, peacefully pronounced dead 17 minutes later. This guy should have been tied up, scared for his life, and then shot in the head, is what should have happened to this mad dog killer. Instead, he snores himself off into peace until he wakes up and meets the living God who is going to visit hellfire and damnation down upon this bastard for all of eternity for his vicious, wicked, and vile sins. So the justice that this guy did not get in the courtroom, he will get for all of eternity. And God is going to punish those who did not deal properly with this man in the courtroom because that was the chance for this man to have repented. That was the chance. The court could have come down on this mad dog killer with hellfire and damnation and condemnation, and it just might have gotten through to murderer Arthur Brown. It might have. But Arthur Brown never had a chance. Because the justice system was stacked against him. Not understanding their vital role in helping achieve eternal reconciliation even for the worst of killers and so they're guilty he's guilty all of them straight to hell with jet rockets all right finally from the bad religion file this i don't know if this is finally microsoft bound uh, microsoft founder bill gates has weighed in on the idea that individual sacrifice can make a tangible difference in the fight against climate change. Why? Because people ask him, look, you're flying around in all those planes and you, you got this huge carbon footprint, Bill. Maybe if you changed your life, you wouldn't look like such a hypocrite. And he says, no, 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 no. It's not that I'm a hypocrite. He says, I don't think we can count on people living an impoverished lifestyle as a solution to climate change, especially if any of those people is me. Because, <laughs> yeah. Like, quit with the private jets, quit with the giant uh, uh, a, a train of SUVs that, that takes me everywhere. I don't want to do that. That won't be enough. That won't be enough. So I'm not going to do it. Um, he says climate change is too big of a problem to be solved by individual lifestyle decisions by people like him. And uh, people like him tend to hold that view, by the way. <laughs> like John Kerry says, look, it's way too big. If I do, if I change my life and stop living in the lap of luxury, that's not going to help. So anyway, um, listen to this. Uh, Gates, uh, Bill, uh, John, John Kerry, I'm sorry. John Kerry said uh, the 50 percent of the reductions we have to make to get to net zero by 2050 or 2045 are going to come from technologies that we don't have yet. So, folks. Notice how John Kerry states that achieving net zero, he states it as if it's a foregone conclusion that we have to do it. And that's scary. It's kind of like the COVID mandates. They were all passed off as if everyone just knew and agreed that we had to do it that way. With the six feet and the mask and the take the shot. It has to be. It has to be that way. These people are criminally insane religious fanatics. Uh -huh. Then they're going to get us all killed if we're not careful. I mean, not, not if we're not careful. If we don't stop them, these mad, crazy lunatics, these religious fanatics, they're going to get us all killed. Just as much as the Taliban will get us all killed. Just as much as ISIS and the mullahs in Iran will get us all killed. These, these religious fanatics with their net zero, and they're going to get us all killed if we don't stop them. 
And so that's why we're here, folks, at the Weekly Worldview. We're here to stand up against them and say no. We're not going to go along. We don't think this is a good idea. We don't think it's a foregone conclusion that you have to destroy civilization and, and sodomize the children. No, that's we're, we don't. You've come this far, and we don't want you coming any further. In fact, uh, you, you have to be pushed back. They have to be pushed back, back into the Stone Ages. All right, that's the Weekly Worldview for this week, folks. Thank you for joining us. Should the Lord tarry, we will return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you, and may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you. <laughs>